playing Spurs. 40-ish minutes of football adjacent frivolity. It's me, Patty, and I'm here with Acid. Hey, Acid. Hey, Patty. It's me, Acid. Hi, guys. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, and thanks for joining us this time around. We are recording after a bit of a heartbreak of a game from West Ham um, last night, and we'll talk more about that at halftime with Toby. This episode, we're covering uh, the gamut of things from a really great PR week for Eric Dyer to, uh, I don't know, Hugo Leary's having a second career starring in movies. But also we're doing a bit of a more serious turn with not necessarily Spurs-related content, but football. I mean, it is football adjacent. So a bit of what happened with Sergio Aguero and the female lineswoman happened in the Man City game. But lots of fun, apart from that seriousness. So Yeah, you know, there's we... just so much to talk about because this international break has been the longest one ever at a record three and a half years long. <laughs> so much <laughs> happened during this international break. And I think we're going to devote our entire first half to all of the things that happened on social media adjacent to football that happened over this past three and a half year break. It felt like three years, let's be real. I was messaging you and I was like, when, when are we going to see a game again? And well, we saw one, so maybe we should be more specific about what we <laughs> want to see, intentions and all. But yeah, let's kick off the first half. Okay, so there goes the whistle. Let's get started. Um, If you guys want to know what it is we're talking about, we're including links to all of the tweets, all of the Instagram posts, all of the whatever posts in the episode description. So follow along there. You'll find the first link is a link to the Twitter account of Football London. So, okay, so one of the biggest things that has been super hyped over the past few weeks is that we have a new and improved front three that honestly, in my opinion, didn't really need that much improving. So in this tweet from Football London, it links to an article where they talk to Sun about Gareth Bale. And like in this article, Sun, because he's such a cool guy, talks about like how awesome it's been to watch Gareth Bale in training and how like inspiring and awesome it is to have him around. Which is nice, great, because he's a cool guy, he's gonna say things like this. But I think just reading this, I felt like, okay, so now the ball is in Bale's court. When is he gonna come out with like a press release saying that he's super excited to see and work with Sun? Because clearly one of these guys is the bigger global superstar, am I right? So right. Sonny is so good with the press and just so good with the team on how he really builds other people up. And I obviously, again, like we've mentioned before, I'm new to this whole thing, so I don't really know much about Gareth Bale apart from looks good with a man bun. So really interesting to see how they will play up, how, you know, Bale is one with the team and excited to play with, you know, the global superstar that Sonny is. Because, I mean, I heard some rumors, I don't want to stir some shit, but from a highly placed source in the Craig family of how Bale has an ego. So I don't know, prove us wrong, Gareth, and, and show us some love for all the other stars in the team. It's a team. There is no I in team after all. I mean, I guess for more, the NBA actually did a retweet of this video that we're talking about next. So from the Spurs official uh, YouTube channel, we see training videos, except they're not quite playing football. They're playing basketball. There's been so much basketball content. And obviously, they show the team playing basketball on a football pitch. So, you know, they can't really bounce that ball too well. They can't dribble the ball too well. But <laughs> everyone is so good. Like, they split the team into three teams so it's not even just a five on five it's like five on five on five wherein every time you do a turnover of possession another team com comes and joins so it's quite like a difficult mechanic to be fair first time i've seen it 
really interesting to see how holy shit everyone can shoot what is this yeah that's amazing good job guys i, I really don't know it's not fair that they're talented this way no yeah there's some they, they, real talent in there so i was wondering about this is it like they're playing a different sport is this because it's like a team building exercise and it's not necessarily like a training football training thing it's just one of the things they do to create you know rapport and make sure everyone works together really well or Could makes be. them competitive against each other, as we've seen Jose do in the documentary. But yeah, keep true. it up, guys. I want to see you guys do ice hockey next. I want to see figure skating. Like, bring all the other sports. I, I, yeah, all the it. winter sports. <laughs> Speaking of winter. <laughs> so if you guys remember the movie Frozen, there's a really beautiful like ice castle in there with beautiful white interiors. And it's just one of the things that comes to mind when you watch this next video. <laughs> so this week, the son on his own Instagram posted a photo. This is uh, obviously SpawnCon. It's created with Adidas. And I think this is... Is this FIFA 21? This is yeah, just incredibly like alien to me. So that's that's yeah. the logo I'm seeing on the screen. So that's what I'm going to say. And it's basically it like a video chat between Sun and Mora. And like you get a glimpse of what Sun's house looks like. And it looks like this ice castle. It's uh, based on the tiny bit we see beyond his head. <laughs> it's like white walls and white ceilings and this crystal-y chandelier thing in the background. It looks really cool. We'd love to see more of it. I wish he took us on a quick house tour within this this video that I'm obviously not the, the market for because it's not really speaking to me and I'm just looking at the details in the background. I think it's cute that they tried to make the Spawn Con a bit more personal because mm -hmm. Adidas tends to just do very well-made, well-produced videos of these guys just like with the shoes. But this one was more like with their personalities and Sunny is obviously adorable in videos but it was so interesting to see him play against Lucas, who is not necessarily like the most, I guess, video friendly. But speaking of Lucas, we move on to more spawn con for him. He deserves all the spawn con. He's got two kids now. Lucas posted on his Instagram a, I guess, an unboxing. Basically, it shows him in his garden and it looks like he's unboxing a, what is this, a lawnmower? Is it a vacuum cleaner? I'm not sure. It has sure. some like leaf blowing mechanism as well. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it is exactly. And I did go to their Instagram account, the sponsor, and it seems like it just says like professional machine. What of what? I don't know. So I watched it because Lucas is in it. So yay views. And engagement because you clicked through. <laughs> I clicked through. So there's an engagement right there. But get that SpawnCon money, Lucas. And whilst there, there's SpawnCon money going out into the world, we think some of that SpawnCon opportunity should be going to Gazanigs. So check out this post he shared in his own Instagram. It's, wow, I would say, like, I'm sure Jan would agree because he has said this before. But he's <laughs> breathtaking. <laughs> I think Ion's exact words describing Gazanigs before was big guy, good eyes, I think is what, <laughs> what he said. <Yeah>. Which <laughs> is awesome. Like, why, doesn't, why isn't Gazanigs picking up more sponsorship deals? Fashion brand, eyewear brand, some hair he product. He has lots of great hair now. Grooming. Yeah, he deserves it all. Yeah, brands, he, take note. He, you look so beautiful. Continue to be you. Speaking of beautiful people, more beautiful people in the team. Movie star good looks. Super movie star good looks, it seems. Hugo Lloris has a career path after football. Hopefully in that like 20 years from now, because we want you to be our keeper forever. But our number one keeper and captain, 
seems to be starring and at least has a cameo in a new French film that's coming out. It's called 30 Jours Max. It seems to be a, I don't know, an indie comedy. And Marine Yarius posted on her Instagram story. So it's gone now, but thanks to the fan that reposted it. You can check it out in the links. Basically, it shows Hugo on a bed and it seems in a hotel room. And it seems like he's, I don't know if he's playing himself. I don't know if he's playing an actor. He's playing a character. But he also had a picture with the director and star of the film. And it's really quite interesting. Again, let me caveat this by saying I don't speak French. I Google translated a bunch of it and understood it seemed to be that he is in the film. So I'm excited to see it. Hopefully it comes out on Netflix. Totally. Yeah. Like we don't know what it's about, but we're totally going to see and we're going to scrub through until we find (laughs) Hugo's cameo. But he seems to be in bed with a woman. I'm super curious to see how any of that plays in, but Hugo, movie star, I like it. Yeah. Is this your next career move? Maybe after we win the league this year and Champions League next year, go on and become a movie star? (laughs) Cool. Whoa. So this, I guess we're going to segue a little bit to a, a, a territory we haven't often been in. We don't usually talk about other teams, but we will now. So in the football Twitterverse over the past few days, there's been a lot of talk about something that happened during the Arsenal-Man City game. So there's a moment, I didn't actually watch the game, so I've only been seeing like video clips of this incident, but like uh, Aguero approaches or has like an interaction with Massey Ellis, who is a female lines person. And I think there was an uproar because he touches her, he puts an arm around her neck and squeezes. She seems like... She's either, like, pushing him away, or is she just also, like, patting him back? I don't know. It's not super clear. But there is some uproar because it's, like, people are- some people are saying, oh, that was super inappropriate. You should never, like, touch a lines person. Some people are saying he's never done that before, and people tend to not touch lines people, so it was super inappropriate because she was female. So I don't know, it's- it's- it's a bit- I guess we just wanted to take a few minutes to- to talk about this. Men and Blazers did a tweet on it as well wherein they say awful to watch first time you saw it and it gets worse and worse with every viewing. There is zero way Aguero would have done this to a male match official. Zero. I don't know either. I I don't obviously don't know much about Aguero as a human being, so I can't really speak to his character. More than anything, having female representation on the pitch and as for lineswomen and all that, it's already rare. If we get these kinds of, I don't know, maybe it came off as quite condescending because he's trying to like, you know, brush it off as like, no, I was just patting her or whatever. But you, if the rules are there, they should be followed. Yes, if there is indeed a rule that players can't touch the lines people and the referees then yeah, enforce it across the board. Because I feel like we've seen players touch referees before, and I don't think I've ever seen anyone carded for that. Exactly. I don't know. It's very strange because there is uproar about it. And then, of course, if you check the thread, it's every man replying of like, oh, but look at this other player touching this male referee or this male, like, lines person. So what's the big deal now? But yeah, interesting to see how this plays out or how if the FA will even act on this. Yeah. But I saw another I... tweet saying like we can all discuss this forever but like maybe the most important voice in this is Massey Ellis's voice and like if yes. she like has anyone reached out and said yo you were there did you feel like this was shady? And I guess we'll just have to wait and see but yeah. quite interesting and I guess being female fans out of a podcast in sports and I think just tangential to this uh, one of the blogs or Twitter accounts you follow, Cartilage Free Captain, 
extends the tweet about this first woman. And I just want to put it in there that kudos to them for standing up for their tweets about Spurs women because a lot of their followers are always just like, no one cares. Like, stop tweeting about the women's team. And the dude, Dustin, is like, nope, it's a Tottenham, you know, club. And we tweet about the men's and women's teams and under 23s and under 18. So, like, fuck fuck off and don't follow us if you don't want this content. But yeah, so here's the more of that in football more uplifting and more inclusive and less of this strange strange random behavior towards women so yeah yes please yeah and i guess we just end this first half with this last tweet from sir harry kane he tweeted or rather he's posted on his instagram raising awareness for world mental health day and i think again just coming from what we talked about Obviously, awareness about mental health is another thing that we shed some light on. Quite a nice black and white photo of Harry Kane looking handsome, very GQ levels. And he basically says, on World Mental Health Day, I want to encourage anyone suffering from mental health issues to seek support they need. There's no shame in it. We all need to ask for help sometimes. It's also worrying to see someone you care about suffer too. And then he talks about the charity that does incredible work for it. And he just hopes that people get the help they need. So... Go you, Sir Harry Kane. Not only are you a world-class like star and athlete, you're a wonderful human being. Oh, wait, shoot. We forgot also oh, yeah, Joe yeah. Hart. <laughs> Shit, sorry, sorry. Sorry, Joe. Joe Hart also posted about World Mental Health Day, and that is awesome. Uh, I, it's good to see that our new kids on the block also have their advocacies, and it's so nice to hear Joe Hart from it. So his, his Instagram video says, awareness is everything, hashtag World Mental Health Day. And it's actually a video of him talking about it. So good job, Joe, as well. Yeah. Good job, Harry. Good job, check team. Check out those posts and check out that video. Good job, team. Because I think that's it for the first half. <laughs> there goes the whistle. So we're going to break for halftime. We're going to talk about the games, specifically the Man U game and specifically the West Ham game. Ugh. Some parts of it we're super excited to talk, to talk about. Others maybe not as excited to talk about. But after halftime, we are back with more social media roundups. We're going to talk about Dyer's good PR week. And also, everyone's favorite, we're going to crown the baby of the week. Welcome to Halftime, the new, the semi-new section of the show when we actually talk about the games that happened. <laughs> so in this what? section, Patty and I are joined by our kumbaya master, Toby, lifelong Spurs fan. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> yeah, great Hi, to have you here. For this Halftime, we're going to talk about the ultra high of our victory against Man U away. Woo-hoo! The game that ended 1-6. What? And we're going to find it in ourselves to talk about the draw to West Ham, which happened just yesterday. (laughs) 3-3. Heartbreak Central. Anyway, yeah, we see, we feel the tears. We see the tears. They're coming. But first, let's, let's look back to two weeks ago, the game against Man U. The goal in the first minute. Was it the first minute? It was the first minute. Like everyone knew there was gonna be a penalty and it happened immediately. (laughs) We got it out of the way. (laughs) Toby, when Bruno Fernandez stepped up to get that penalty in, what were your honest feelings? Were you like, fuck, it's all downhill from here? Or 
where you kumbaya master Toby true to himself and like it's okay we've got like 89 minutes to kill this shit yeah it's easy to say in retrospect but I really <laughs> don't think I was that worried I was yeah I was pretty confident because I don't think Manu is is very good and their defense is super weak yeah, I think Gary Neville was commentating that game and he was really disappointed in everybody's performance and stuff. And yeah, I think they've, I mean, and they haven't been able to sign a lot of great players. They got Vanderbeek from Ajax, but I think he's not quite settled in yet. And I don't know, just some of their weaknesses up front, like Rashford, I mean, could always be better. I'm not sure he's really world class. I mean, he's definitely not in the same conversation as like a Harry Kane or something like that. Or even now, like a Dominic Calvert-Lewin, like it's not a strong enough front line to really make up for the weaknesses in their defense. So um, I think they're going to they're going to struggle. So, yeah, I mean, after the inevitable menu penalty. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which was a weak one as usual. Like it, it was pretty clear we were going to sneak some goals past them, but n- nobody would have thought it was that quickly we'd be up to one. I mean, I honestly felt the feelings I felt during Champions League finals with Liverpool, wherein we got that penalty Salah put in the goal. <laughs> and I, that's how I felt when we got that penalty. So I was like, oh, fuck. Is it like, are they going to crumble? Ugh. Like, are, yeah. is our confidence shot? But holy same here. shit. As I was getting the same flashbacks way. to that moment. I'm like, what? Why, do, why me? Why does yep. this always happen to us? <laughs> Obviously, we, there, were a lot of, there was a lot of talk about the red card that sent um, their man off. I mean... Lamelli, should we say, is he an intelligent cunt? Like, I mean, as, as Jose Mourinho wants him to be. But do you think that if we didn't get that penalty, we would have struggled a bit more? Mm, I think, and it, I think this was pointed out on match of the day, and I super agree. I remember nodding vigorously when this was said. But by that time, we were already winning. We were already in control of the game. They were already showing their weaknesses. So I don't think. I don't think it really it really mattered. And I felt like a lot of the coverage of our creaming of Man United focused a lot on the fact that, oh, yeah, you know, if Tottenham didn't win that, then it would be like they would have been super bad because, you know, they were one player down and that was an unfair penalty. Whereas yeah. it could have been a focus on look how well, how improved the team is. I was impressed by how energetic we were. Like They were, excuse me, they were just one man down. There have been teams that have been one man down and have gone on to win. But you see the scoreline of 1-6 and you think they were like eight men down or something. It's, yeah, I don't think that one man down excuses any of this. No, They just sucked. (laughs) Yeah, being a man down could excuse like not scoring more goals, but allowing another four. I mean, that that is down to the defense as well. And I think Gary Neville, former Man U player, said as much, I think it was on Match of the Day or on the commentary, that the game was already like pretty much sewn up at two to one, even before Martial went off. And I think Martial's reaction and lack of composure indicates the mindset they already had. Like, I think it was already they were not in a good team space before he was sent off. But yeah, I think it was really clever of Lamella. I mean, his his elbow thrown is kind of a normal thing you see happen on every set piece. And Martial was, I think, banged to rights. I mean, we've had the same thing for violent conduct, like when Dembele was sent off and Son's ridiculous kick up at Rudiger when he was upside down and being fouled. I mean, it's it's well within the the confines of what's what's been called against us. So I, I have zero sympathy for for Martial or many fans on that one. I'm yeah. glad, and this is why we're a Spurs podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but 
you know what? Not, not like completely heartless. Like at the end of it, you kind of felt almost bad for them. And then like after <laughs> the game, you go on Twitter and you realize, whoa, yeah, that was serious. Because I think after this game, players issued apologies to fans on Twitter. It was that bad. It was that big a deal. It was that earth shattering for for this team. Marcus Rashford had a really nice apologetic and really contrite yeah yeah Mm. yeah, tweet acknowledging that 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 really wasn't a performance that they should have turned out sorry guys not sorry (laughs) not sorry (laughs) i think i was buzzing so hard after that game that i couldn't sleep it was like one of those it felt very ajax miracle at ajax a moment of like wow we're heading into an international break on a high and Even if we weren't even top of the table, I think we were 6th or 7th at that point. It didn't matter because I liked how well we were playing. Our new players are really bringing it. Like, as attached I am and as sad I am to see people go, these new boys, not bad, huh? Yeah, again and again, some of the new guys. Doherty had another great few performances. Not yesterday, unfortunately, which I think did come back to bite us, but we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, Doherty's been great. I think it's given us some much-needed depth. Um, I think Aurier has upped his game due to the co- you know the competition for the position, which I think is brilliant. I think Reguillon is getting better and better, and I think ditto with that competition with Ben Davis. And not just competition improving both their performances, but they play slightly different roles which will serve us in the you know variety of opponents and the amount of games we have coming because Ben Davis you could say is maybe a slightly more defensive choice but a very reliable uh, pair of hands in the defense and maybe Reggion is just um, a little bit quicker going forward maybe a little bit better quality of crosses into the box and that kind of thing so um, yeah I agree I think most of the new signings have been exceptional. Hoybier maybe first and foremost, absolutely essential for what we need and kind of winning the ball back in the midfield, turning potential attacks right around on the attackers. I think, yeah, he's he's been exceptional. I think just like we'll 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 spend just a, one more minute on this game because unfortunately we will have to talk about another game. Uh, but I am really happy Ndombele has been crucial and just the transformation that he's had uh, obviously he scored at the fourth minute so that kind of like upped our confidence for two minutes after the penalty which is such a nice way he kind of flipped the switch to turn mm-hmm. the game around and then of course harry and sunny back to back just you know double teaming and that partnership is god I-, I don't know i don't know what's different this year but they seem to have just again flipped the switch they're, they're so insane they're like uh, what what is happening? Have they like melded their minds? <laughs> is this an innovation in in football strategy? Yeah, I, I don't yeah know. it's been a total evolution. We saw it all over the place on the first half of yesterday's game. Like we've transitioned from at the end of last season, some some completely like listless and uninspired and kind of just unimaginative play not knowing where the next pass is going to go and yesterday the first half looked completely different it looked like each player was two steps ahead they were like bobby fisher like they know seven moves down what's going to happen they know where to find the space and where the 
off the ball runs going to go? I mean, Bergvine was exceptional yesterday doing that and creating, giving wide angles and using the, the width of the field, allowing Sun to like make a more attacking run and that kind of thing. So yeah, the, the passing and the attack is way, way better. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up like Bobby Fischer, because I think during the game we were kind of talking about something in that pace that it seemed like Harry could see Sun, where Sun would be like a second and a half into the future and was kind yeah. of just playing with that in mind. It's it's really amazing how, how in sync the two of them are. And some of these attacking strategy was very similar to Southampton, you could say. it's They're trying to defend with a high line. And in some cases, it's just not going to work because Sun is too fast and Harry's passing is too good. It's like one of those things, even if you know it's coming... A bit like the defender on Sun's first goal was being criticized because you know Sun's going to cut in and then try and put it at the back post. But there's a difference between saying you know it's going to happen and he's just so quick, even if you know it's going to happen, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah, so. he's the unstoppable force. You know it's coming, but what can you do? Yeah, you just, <laughs> yeah, you're just kind of dumbfounded, which is essentially how we generally feel about yesterday's game. Yesterday was uh, we had our game against West Ham, and it was a 180 between first half and second half. So we've we've gone through the good stuff of the first half with Son and Kane and their power duo, like super twins, melding of minds, and then it kind of all just went to shit in the second half. And not just in the second half, the last yeah. 10 minutes. In the last 10 minutes of the yeah. second half. I mean, like so, you, from the start of the first half, you could kind of feel it building up to something terrible. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I don't know what I don't know what the exact term is. Like it felt like we were sitting back more. We were less attacky. Mm-hmm. Um, we made some subs that we feel like maybe weren't the best subs. <laughs> we might get a lot of hate for saying this, but yeah, maybe they weren't the most inspired subs. And then. In the last 10 minutes, we just paid for it. I think, I mean, I think his name's Graham Sunes, one of the guys on Sky TV whose analysis I often don't like. But I think he made a a kind of fair criticism saying maybe in the midfield we're lacking some of the kind of control in terms of possession that you can really use to kill off games. Because if you're up 3-0, I guess you have a couple options for killing a game. That's either score more or to just have so much possession that the opposition isn't going to have a chance. If you do sit back for 45 minutes, you open yourself up to luck, to set pieces, to that kind of thing, like to wonder strikes like from Lanzini. So, I mean, if you sit back and try and take pressure for 45 minutes, you're going to wear your defense out. And that's why it's, again, it's easy to say in retrospect, but if you sit back, if you say at halftime, okay, let's defend the lead, maybe play for a clean sheet, but then you make kind of attacking subs. I'm, I don't know. I wonder if maybe you be so cynical, go full Mourinho, who maybe used to win games 1-0, and bring on a fifth defender, take off Son, slip in Matt Doherty, and go to a back five. I've criticized that kind of ugly parking the bus play, but in retrospect, if you lose the 3-0 lead, I mean, you've really done something wrong. Yeah, when you have something good, you want yeah. to protect it. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, oh man. I think, I was wondering, like, how much the, the hype of a bail start like played into it since he joined people were already talking about oh which game is he gonna play and have his second debut in and then like all throughout the international break that was also being hyped up with the content on spurs official it was all training videos of bale and kind of teasing people that oh my god he's getting fit could he start against west ham he might so i don't know maybe there's just so much pressure to, to see him in action in a spurs shirt and it just kind of clouded the decision making around that. And it's like, okay, yeah, sure, let's. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's a kind of peer pressure because 
strategically, if you're up 3-0, I mean, why bring him on if you don't really need more goals? I mean, especially if you keep him in the shadows and he's kind of a surprise weapon that you can bring on next time when, you know, opponents aren't going to know what to expect out of him. But now, unfortunately, as it turns out, he comes on, has a good chance, misses the goal, and then the kind of steam is let out of the room. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, maybe he's not as scary as we thought he was. So, And we had one chance to use that kind of surprise attack, and we've used it, and now people will feel slightly less scared. But to bring on a player who isn't fully fit into the attack when you're trying to defend a 3-0 lead, I guess I don't really understand. But that if he does bury that and kill the game, then yeah. it looks great. But It comes down to results, it right? Does, yeah. It would have been, oh my god, it was so brilliant to bring him in yeah. with, what, like a quarter to go. But I mean, if, if he was healthy, for example, Lamella, I would have brought him on because he harasses, he gets yellow cards, he stops attacks. So yeah, and he's, I mean, he's feisty and yeah, it's unlucky. I think yesterday was obviously unfortunate but I think it's very humbling because yeah. we were definitely counting our chickens before they hatched we were that bitch that was walking yeah. around you know thinking of all the lovely dresses she was gonna buy from all the you know the, the chickens she'd sold and then you break all the <laughs> eggs so I'm I'm just fuck my and that's life. even before yeah. the three goals isn't it that's going yeah. into the game we were all yes. starting to get a bit of a big yeah. head Yes. We were. Oh my god. I think maybe like 60 minutes in, I was like super arrogant and like, oh, super. we haven't scored in like 30 minutes. What's <laughs> happening? I'm so bored. Yeah. So, oh my god. And I was looking what? at the screen grab of the table yeah. as it stands, and we we're in number two, and I was feeling really smug. So, yeah, I well. mean, I think. Yeah, to give up three unlucky goals and to get into a little bit, I think the foul that Aurier apparently gave away for one of their goals wasn't really a foul. I think the guy tripped over Aurier's feet. I do think Ogbona blocked off, like screened, like basketball style, Harry Winks and fouled him for that last shot. So I think VAR taking a look at that, I think could have been, maybe should have been overturned. So, I mean, again, we're, you're unlucky with calls, but if you sit back from for 45 minutes and you let them attack you're opening yourself up to to unluck i think but we got a point and maybe we learned a valuable lesson i think what's critical is we play three teams at the bottom of the table in the next three games it's really good incentive to step up and get nine points because we're easily within reaching distance of the top of the table. So it's absolutely critical we do that now. I, I like the positivity just to end this out. So we will be playing a couple Europa League games, but we'll also be playing Burnley, Brighton, and West Brom. Yeah. And I guess we have to look forward to... I don't even want to say get the nine points, but, you know, we got to come in with confidence, kill them in minute one, as they said. Toby, any, <laughs> any last words on I, this? I think the last bit of positivity is, hey, we've left the, left the game. We haven't had any injuries. That's, I mean, considering how the last year and a bit, yeah, sorry, I'm knocking on wood, but considering how our luck has been, I'll almost take a point in a tricky game with everybody walking off the field healthy. I'll take that. And a humbling so, experience. I mean, especially like really tough for Liverpool, really, really tough to lose Van Dyke and to lose uh, Thiago, it looks like. So that's, I mean, nobody, nobody wants to see that. I mean, as we've learned from Cobra Kai, you want to beat your enemy at their best. That's not a spoiler. So <laughs> wait, is that a no, spoiler? Feel no, free to edit not. that out. Keeping it in, keeping it in. All right. Well, strike hard, strike first. Yeah, that's Jordan. That's Jordan Pickford's mentality. <laughs> no anyway. mercy. Well, you know what? 
Everton yeah. is at their best right now, and uh, that three-three for yeah, hats Liverpool off to Everton. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. Anyway, thank you, Toby, for coming by. Yeah, my pleasure. It was it was a good week. We had, we got we got the results. Most of the results we needed. It's a it's a long season yeah. ahead, so. You got time. Yeah, definitely. It is. It's early time. So early days. So let us know what you guys think. Our lovely, lovely <laughs> listeners, tweet us at Stalking Spurs, oh, and we'll see you guys in the second half. That's the signal of the start of the second half. We have an action-packed second half for you guys. We're going to talk about Eric Dyer's amazing PR week. We're going to talk about some really interesting post-menu slaughter content. (laughs) We're also going to cover some really awesome first half of West Ham content. (laughs) <laughs> Which is the first like Premier League game in history that only consisted of one half. <laughs> There's no second half, guys. It ended at halftime and that was it. Everyone everyone lived happily ever after. And then we end the second half with what everyone is here for. We talk about the Spurs babies of the week. Are you ready, Patty? I am so ready, Acid. Let's do this. Alright, let's Go. So number one, we have Eric Dyer's super good PR week. So there's three pieces of social media content that we want to talk about in relation to this topic. So just check out our episode description to follow along. So, okay, it seems like Eric Dyer can do no wrong. It seems like I have a theory that he's like the team's everyman. Everyone sees him as their brother, as their son, as their friend. Because whatever happens, people are on his side. Like, he, he was part of that, like, uh, Newcastle handball debacle. And it seems like every person and their dog and their neighbor came out in defense of him. And you can see, like, this support swelling for him in the weeks that followed. Like, during the Chelsea game for Carabao Cup, he had to do the extremely embarrassing thing of leaving the pitch to go to the toilet. How do you bounce back from that? How do, Like, when the entire world sees you running to the toilet and running back out, surely not with enough time to wash your hands. That's so embarrassing, but not for Dyer. Not for Dyer. Oh my not for Dyer. <laughs> not for Dyer. It's amazing the amount of goodwill he got. Yeah. So, like, he posts a photo on his own Instagram after the match saying the real man of the match is the toilet and he puts his man of the match trophy on the toilet. He posted the picture of the toilet where he took a dump and he's still so loved. And the love expands beyond his Instagram to Jose Mourinho's Instagram because even Mourinho posts a picture of him with the staff and everyone smiling and pointing at him and saying that he's proud of all of his players but this one led by example. What? I mean... It's an amazing amount of love, and if anyone deserves it, it would be Eric Dyer. So I'm super happy for him. Slight favoritism, I'd like to say. There are factions of the internet that don't understand why Jose keeps playing him. But I choose the side on the, you know, on the side of positivity and just, yeah, he's just so relatable and he does work hard. So I'm not complaining. Good job, Eric Dyer. Good job, Eric Dyer. Oh man, I mean, from one good job to, I guess, a great job, we move on to that lovely week before International Week when we fucking slaughtered Manchester United. I don't know, I'm not, I mean, I I watched Star Trek, I wouldn't call myself a Trekkie, but I didn't know Mr. William Shatner was a fan because, yep, you got it, on his official Twitter account, Captain Kirk, also known Captain as... Captain Kirk! Captain Kirk of the, the USS... The original Chris Pine. Exactly, of the USS Enterprise, tweets a photo of the scoreline, Manchester United 1, Tottenham Hotspur 6, 
and he says congratulations to that Spurs official. I don't know if he's a Spurs fan or he just fucking hates Man United. Either way, I'm all for it. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper, Mr. Shatner. Exactly. Like, on the topic of more fans, reacting to this insane, insane game is our favorite Spurs fan, Kevin Vimmer. Our favorite Sunny fan, Kevin Vimmer. <laughs> so on his Instagram, I think it was a story yeah. that he posted of, of course, who else but Sun celebrating a goal. And he he tags Sun with the, what is this? Is this the, the monkey emoji? <laughs> is it like it's, a secret nickname they have for each other? Yeah, I want to know. <laughs> Like we we share the link in our episode description will will like lead you to a fan account called Sun is my life on Instagram. <laughs> and the caption says I support Sun and Kevin's friendship. We totally do too. Like I think a few weeks ago we were wondering, "Hey, what's up with you guys? Are you guys still friends?" Exactly. Apparently they are. This which was, is awesome to see. This was great proof. I really was worried for a second there that the friendship was over, but thank you Kevin Wimmer. Uh if you're listening, we'd love to have you on to just discuss our love, our collective love for Sunny. You would be our first guest and maybe our only guest, but you know what? Come on, it would be an honor. <laughs> Come on down. Reach out to our peeps. <laughs> our peeps will call your peeps. By our peeps, I mean we. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people, I would not mind having on the pod for more support for the Spurs team after our Man U slaughter. We have my favorite love of my life, Jan Vertonghen. He did promise he would watch every game he could and call them after. And he tweeted right after the game a retweet from, he quote tweeted a Spurs official tweet that said, not one, not two not three not four not five six and then you see a photo of the squad kind of doing a nice little huddle and Jan's quote tweet has the mind blown emoji and our minds are blown we love that you still love the team we miss you we love you come back (laughs) we miss you we love you and come back if you want why not it's the door is always open I mean man you what a fucking high I'll never be over it I guess one game to remember thus far this season, it would be that. Apart from for Southampton, sure, sure. but this one too. So it's we've been lucky. We've been so lucky. Like, imagine how could we get luckier? We get an amazing first half against West Ham. <laughs> the first and only half of the game. The only half that insane. matters. insane. Totally, the only half that matters. <laughs> and like one of the amazing things that came out of this game is this tweet from Optojo, which, last word on Spurs, quoted, saying, Tottenham Hotspur striker Harry Kane has now directly contributed to 12 Premier League goals this season. Five goals, seven assists. What makes this even more awesome is that no player has recorded more goal contributions after five matches in a single campaign. WTF. Wow. Mind blown emoji for days. Crazy town. Crazy, crazy town. I think we mentioned earlier with Toby, Kane is on fire and I am so here for it. Yes, we've got Bale, but I don't know, man. Kane scores when he wants to. Yeah, he's like in the prime of his career and we thought he was in the prime of his career, but now he's like reaching an all new level we didn't know 
could be achieved. So insane. It is pretty nuts. Things that are also nuts during this first and only half of the West Ham game. Uh, there was a tweet from fan account Billy White Rose, which is now deleted. But I guess it was a case of counting our chickens before they hatched. <laughs> we saw a screenshot basically at the first half, the standings of the Premier League and Tottenham was second? Second to Everton, who of course uh, we lost to in our opening game of the season. But who hasn't lost to Everton this season? Let's be real. We're, we're just one of the people they bulldozed and uh, now I get why they bulldozed us. They just bulldozed everyone this season. So I don't feel too bad. That was such a nice moment to remember that mm-hmm. time when we were second on the table. I know these things are but fleeting, but you know, we enjoyed it. The tweet when it existed, what a time to be alive. What a time to be a oh Spurs fan in this first half of the West Ham game. I loved that tweet and I was living in the world where this tweet existed so, so happily. So I, I think we'll just continue to live in that world and pretend that the second <laughs> half did not happen because it absolutely didn't. Coming from the high of the first half, come on over to our favorite segment of the episode. We come to Babies of, of the, the Week. Week. So for new listeners, welcome to the funnest part of the show where we trawl the social media accounts of all the players and their wives and their families, sometimes their aunts <laughs> and favorite uncles, to find really cute content around the Spurs kids. So we have a five-household stop on this journey. Our first stop brings us to the Mora household. So this past week, Lucas Mora shared a really sweet photo of him and his sons, Miguel and Pedro, just kind of cuddling near the sofa, having a nice day, and he's captioned this, my children, hashtag happy children's day. So I think, because we know some, we're, we're friends with people with kids, the past few weeks, I guess, there's been like a global celebration of children's day at schools all around the world, and this, this is how Lucas Mora's kids celebrated it. Just chilling with their, their dad. These kids are adorable. For more adorable kids in Baby of the Week, we get our second peak. And my goodness, this kid grew up quick. So Steve Bergwine, I didn't even know he had a kid. Uh, we don't see much of him, but on his Instagram stories, and thanks to the Bergwine Army Instagram fan account for reposting that story, I guess he went back for international break and saw the babies. So I guess the baby is still in... The Netherlands, but super sweet. He is, of course, wearing a little Gucci hoodie sitting on his dad's lap. The last time we saw this baby, it was a fetus, like it literally was just born, and now he looks like a full blown toddler. How time flies! Yeah. Very cute, very, very cute, though. I wish we'd see more of this baby. I'd like to know what the baby's name is. So mm-hmm. he, uh, Burgoyne just captions it like my son or something, hashtag my son. And I'm like, yes, we'd like to know your son's name. Tell us everything. Yeah. Tell us more. But not in a creepy way. Not in a, a creepy very, way. You know, very chill. Like, yeah, very chill, happy fan way. <laughs> never creepy, never <laughs> creepy. Our next stop is with the Lamella household. So a week ago, Eric Lamella posted a really, wow, this photo is, I feel like this is something you kind of print and frame. It's a photo of presumably Eric Lamella with one of his sons on his shoulders. It's like from the from the back, so they're kind of walking away from the camera. And it just looks like a really nice, sweet 
neighborhood in London. Maybe it's outside their house. We don't know. But great photo, and he's captioned it a bunch of different hearts. Hashtag family. <laughs> I love it. We're actually mean. not sure if this is Tobias or Tiago because it looks like it could be Tiago who was born more recently, but he looks a bit big for a newborn. But he also looks a bit too small to be Tobias, who we know is a slightly bigger small child. <laughs> I love how our references to children are quite, yeah, they're very scientific. But yeah, guys, uh, if you can help solve this mystery of which baby it is, my bet is on Tobias because I'm not sure if a baby could already sit upright. Mm, Didn't just give birth an episode or two back. But and I don't think the mom would appreciate him on his back as a as a newborn. But who knows? Adorable. Adorable as always. From the Lamella household, we move to the Kane household. And as always, we get the backs of the Kane children. This aesthetic of Kate Kane is not going away. We see them uh, going to the Paradise Wildlife Park. And Kate's caption says, feeding the penguins at our favorite place. So adorable. Also, Harry looks great in this photo. It's a nice back shot of him as well. Looking very cool and dad-like with his dad shades on. But yeah, the girls look adorable from the back. We know how you look. You can show us your faces. But it's okay, Kate. No pressure whatsoever. (laughs) So cute. I love their matching outfits. Always matching. When you have a bigger sister, you're always going to match. Love the pigtails. Love everything. Thanks for sharing those photos, Kate. We feel like we're there with you. Our next stop on this baby of the week train is at the Alderweireld household. So check out Toby's Instagram. He shared a super cute, super sweet, kind of like a quietly charming photo of Ayla on a, I guess this is at a theme park or something. And she's on some ride. I don't know if this is supposed to be a plane or a car. (laughs) We don't know. Maybe it doesn't matter. There are two steering wheels on it anyway, so it doesn't really have to make sense. And Ayla's kind of sitting in there and quietly looking into the distance. He's captioned this, an emoji, which I will interpret as queen. (laughs) I think some comments are saying princess, but you know what? Let's go for queen. She is a queen. This child... She is. I mean, congratulations once again to Ayla Alderweireld for winning Baby of the Week. Honestly, I'm so excited to see more of her. I'm kind of, I get it, Toby's probably super busy. Toby, you can step it up. It's okay, we can get multiple photo uh, submissions each episode. We don't, you don't have to limit yourself to one. So don't worry about it. Let those floodgates open. We're all here for the content. Anyway. I guess that's it for this episode of Stalking Spurs. We want to thank everyone. Thanks to Toby. Thanks, Acid, for joining us again on this journey. Thanks, Patty. I hope we have a livelier or, I guess, a more positive feeling in our next recording. I mean, coming from the Kumbaya Master, he seemed okay, so we should be okay. Uh, Thanks, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to follow us on our socials at Stalking Spurs on Twitter and on Instagram. Tell us what your thoughts are, feedback, comments, suggestions. We'd love to hear it. And smash that subscribe button if you still haven't. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. All right. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Come Come on, on, you Spurs. Spurs! Thank you.